listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the Astros Future Podcast, we'll talk about how the Astros have played this week and really dive into the minor league system as minor league opening day is just days away. But first, we are joined by a very special guest, and that is senior writer for MLB Pipeline of MLB.com, Jim Callis. Hey, Jim, how's it going? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Very well, very well. Very well. So, Jim, first thing I want to ask you is, obviously – 2020 no minor league baseball and I know you're a big fan of minor league baseball as well so just how excited are you that that the minor league baseball season is, is going to be here no extremely excited because I mean I, I mean I was gonna say I can't remember and the reason I can't remember a year like 2020 is that there just hasn't been one where you know you just didn't get to see you know you got to see a few players in the big leagues but that was it you know the alternate site was closed off the instructional league you know, we didn't attend instructional league. Some scouts did, so we could get some information from that. But you know, just being able to actually watch, you know, prospects compete and develop and get better, um, I, I don't think I've ever anticipated a, a minor league season as much as I anticipate this one. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Sure. There, there's you know a lot of guys that I think you know plenty of Astros fans. And I mean, all around baseball, we're excited to see in 2020, um, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen. But so I know the Astros system, you know go back maybe five, four or five years ago, and it was one of the best in baseball. And now after uh, some promotions and after trades that they've made at the, at the deadline, the system has been kind of depleted. But what's your overall take on the system right now? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going through a rebuilding phase. And I mean, and I think that's typical. I mean, usually farm systems are, are, are fairly cyclical, especially in today's era where you've got you know, bonus pool limitations and international limitations where the more you win, the less you can spend on prospects. And obviously, if you're trying to win, uh, you're going to be more likely to trade prospects to get guys like Justin Verlander and, and Garrett Cole and Zach Reinke than you are to trade veterans to get prospects. And, you know, obviously the sign ceiling penalties hurt too. I mean, they lost two picks mm-hmm. last year. They're going to lose two picks this year. Um, and there were some international penalties as well. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it, it's funny, you know, we, we do farm system rankings other places do too. And I always try to caution fans that those are a snapshot in time. You know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily, like, I, I think we've got the Astros ranked 29th among 30 teams, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the Astros don't know what they're doing or they're, they're lousy at acquiring talent or lousy at developing talent. It's just that, I mean, look, they, they won a World Series. They, they won two pennants. They've been to what, four American League Championship Series in a row. The farm, they, they did a great job of amassing talent and turning it into to big league production. And now they're kind of, you know, starting over. Uh, you know, I mean, not that they don't have any talent, but, you know, now they're kind of at that low point where they, they've, they've contended for so many years and the emphasis has been on winning at the big league level that it's been harder to build the farm system up. But, I mean, I, I do think they do a nice job, of, you know, especially if – of developing pitchers, you know, especially internationally who, who aren't big, you know, big ticket investments and turning them into viable big leaguers. But yeah, they, I, I think they're definitely in a, a rebuilding phase of the farm system right now. So you mentioned the, the, you know, developing pitchers. And that kind of leads me to a question I have is Luis Garcia has been a guy who's, who had some really good numbers in the minors um, kind of came out of nowhere. Now he's in the majors and he's had some really good outings recently for the Astros. Do you think that's something that, you know, or do you think he's a guy that can, can be consistent and can be a, a good starter at the major league level? You know, I, I struggle with him a little bit, you know, and, and he doesn't technically qualify as a prospect on our list anymore because he, he's, he's graduating, you know, he's pitching up innings in, in, in the big leagues, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I struggle with him a little bit um, just because, you know, he's got, 
you know, he's got the pitches. I mean, he, you know, he's got a, you know, solid fastball, you know, that high spin four seamer. He, he's got, you know, wicked sweeping slider at times. He can turn into a cutter. He's got a, you know, really good changeup. That's probably his best pitch. Um, so he's got the weapons to start, but there's so much going on in the delivery. There's not a lot of track record of him throwing strikes. I just, to me, like long-term, you know, it's like, look, it's easy to say, I mean, we could sit here with every pitching, every pitching prospect, every young pitcher and go reliever risk, reliever risk, mm-hmm. or I think he's going to blow out, you know, like, and you could sit about literally every pitcher and you'd be right that, that most of them get hurt and most of them aren't going to be big league starters. So I, I, I try to keep an open mind. Um, and he's, he's, he's thrown strikes, you know, in, in, in five games so far this year, but like, I, I just look at that delivery and just the lack of track record of strike throwing. Mm-hmm. And, and I really think he's more of that, you know, multi-inning reliever in the long mm-hmm. run than a starter. Yeah, I mean, teams need those too. So hopefully he could be that for us for sure. Well, what about, um, like, we have a guy who I know you're very familiar with, Forrest Whitley. He was one of the top prospects in all of baseball, but injuries and then one drug suspension have kind of, you know, set him back a little bit. How much has his stock fallen in your eyes? Yeah, it's – um. I mean, it's dropped. I mean, it's hard to answer that question because I mean, I, I honestly don't know what to make of Forrest Whitley. Um, right. And it's funny because the, the times I've seen him pitch live, <laughs> I've seen him in the Arizona Fall League in 2018 and 2019, and he looked really good both times. Um, you know, I, I probably saw him make four or five starts over those two years, and he looked good to me four or five times. And, you know, in terms of stuff, I mean, you know, he could, you know, he's got five pitches. If you count the slider and cutters, two different pitches is that that could be at least plus at their best. Some of them can be better than that, but I mean, he just hasn't pitched um, my, you know, he hasn't stayed healthy. He, you know, hasn't thrown strikes consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I kind of feel, well, well, you could, there's, there's still upside there and look, Tommy John surgery. It's not, you know, rotator cuff surgery. I mean, guys do come back from that. You know, so like you could be optimistic about it. So I, I think the upside is, is still very much there, but I, I think he's kind of at this point, to be honest, you know, where he has to prove it. Like, like he has to prove he can go out and do it for a full season. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought after he got to double A, you know, you know, they draft him in out of high school in 2016, he's in double A and pitching really well at the end of 2017. I would have thought he'd be in their, their big league rotation by mid season, 2018. And you know, I thought he's gonna be in the rotation in 19. I thought he's gonna be in the rotation in 20. And, you know, until the Tommy John news, I thought we'd see him this year. And I, I just think, unfortunately, he's become one of those guys who does have upside, but you can't really count on him right now. You know, it's like, he's going to have, you know, he's, he's going to miss all this season. He'll be back probably middle of next year. I wouldn't anticipate that he'll zoom right to the big leagues, you know, right when he returns to the mound. So we're, we're talking 2023 and, you know, I, I hope he does well. You know, I, I like I said, I've, I've, I've never seen him not pitch well, and I've seen him pitch four or five starts, but I, I just don't think you can count on him right now. You know, like he's, you know, you, you'll believe it when you see it, that he can control right. the big leagues. Yeah, and, and then that's, a, that's another thing that's kind of tough. You know, we mentioned the system being depleted, and, you know, you have a guy who was one of the top prospects, and now his stock has fallen with the injuries and things. So that with the depleted system and then one of our top guys not performing up to what you expect is also kind of hurt, but I want to kind of switch over to, to the hitting side now. So a guy I was really excited to see this year after a really, really good 2019 season was Jeremy Pena. Um, Unfortunately broke his wrist out five months. So probably out the majority of the season, but do you think he would have been a guy who, you know, maybe could have been on some top hundred list if you would have had a good 2020 season following up what he did in 2019? I'm a little, I, I like Jeremy Pena. I think I'm a little light on her than some other guys. I, I don't think there's any question. He, he's a really good defensive shortstop. I, I don't buy the bat yet. Like, like in terms of being a top 100 bat, I, I do think it's enough bat to go with that glove that he could be a big league regular. Um, I, you know, so I, I'm not questioning that, but you know, I mean, the, the thing was, you know, in 2019, he had a, a, a good year, but it wasn't an unbelievable year. I mean, he hit 303, and he slugged 440. So it wasn't like he was crushing balls. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw him in the fall league and guys can be tired in the fall league, but you know, I saw him hit 180 in the fall league and I wasn't thinking, boy, I mean, this guy's really hitting the ball with authority. I mean, he, he struck out like 35% of the time in the fall league when I saw him. And, you know, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, who really didn't hit much at all, 
uh, or I should say much at all, but like kind of lackluster numbers at Maine, given the competition he was playing in college, really struggled in the Cape Cod League and in the New England Collegiate League, which are two really good summer leagues with wood bats. So there were a lot of questions on his bat coming in and I feel better about his bat. And I know, I mean, I know the Astros are optimistic, like they, they think there's some some hidden power in there. Um, they, they think he could be like a 15 home run guy once he once he gets better at incorporating some mechanical changes they've, they've tried to do. But I'm. I, I, you know, I, I'm not quite there saying he's a top 100 player. Like, like, you know, I know you, you know, you were asking if he played this year, could he have, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose he could have, but I wasn't, I, I don't think he was especially close in my mind. It wasn't like he was like number 110 and he was just mm-hmm. like kind of lurking in, in, in the wings there to, to jump on the list. I, I would have wanted to see him hit at higher levels in the minors and with more authority. For sure. Yeah, I mean, a guy that we um, well earlier, Jim. You know, we were talking about the uh, the minor league system, how it's been depleted over these last few years, and then part of that was the sign stealing scandal, uh, which we did lose our first and second round pick last year and this year. So back in 2019, our first round pick was Corey Lee. Is he someone that you have um, like a, like a pretty decent grade on? How do you see him profiling at the major league level? Yeah, and he's you know he's. There's, there's a lot of guys that I really wanted to see how they did in 2020 to feel like I could yeah. get a better handle on exactly what he is. Cause I mean, you guys know, I mean, Corey was not a consensus first round pick. I, I think yep. most teams had him as a third rounder and you know, I know the Astros really liked like the raw power. They really liked like the big arm strength. Um, but there were some questions on swing and miss. There were some questions on, on his receiving ability behind the plate he came in and his debut was just kind of okay. He, you know, he hit 270, but not with much power um, in his debut. Um, he, you know, had six pass balls in 30 games. So, I mean, the receiving still needs some work. And so I, I, I kind of feel like I need to see his first full season in pro ball to know exactly yeah. what he is. I mean, I, I know they feel good. They've, they've made a lot of changes with him. Like they, they kind of quieted him down, settled him down at the plate. And they think he's going to drive the ball more consistently, like make more contact. Um, and he, I mean, he really hasn't been a full-time catcher. I mean, he's, he was a full-time catcher in college in 2019. So, um, you know, he's, he's athletic enough to where, you know, he should be able to make that work, but we just, I, I just think we need to see a year out of him before we know exactly what he has. I mean, upside. Yeah. That, that guy could be an everyday catcher, but like, again, I, I think we need to see what the bat looks like and, and what the defense looks like over a full season before we'll, we'll really know what he is. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. One guy that I think a lot of Astros fans are finally excited to see, because it felt like we were rumored to sign him for a really long time, uh, but that's Pedro Leon. And he's starting out in double a, um, I think everyone kind of thought he was going to be an outfielder and the Astros on their, you know, when they announced their minor league rosters, went ahead and listed him as an infielder. And it sounds like he's gonna be playing shortstop a lot. Um, but the information really overall has been pretty limited on him, but what's, what's your take on him? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think he's got top 100 potential. I mean, I, I think with, when the Cubans sign, because, you know, there's usually been a layoff. I mean, not just the pandemic this year, but you know, when they defect and they haven't played in a while, um, you know, the last time, you know, Leon was in Cuba's top league was in 2018, 19. So that's, you know, three years ago, two, three years ago. Um, but no, I mean, the tools are there to be a top 100 guy. You know, we, we need to see how he's going to hit, but it's, I think it's well above average raw power. He's, I know the Astros tell me he's the fastest runner in the organization. He, he's faster than Miles Straw. He's got top of the scale arm strength. He's got the best arm in the organization for among position players. Um, they think it's he's going to be at least a solid center fielder, but they've also been really intrigued by how he's looked at shortstop. So he's going to uh, open the season. Uh, you know, they, they told me like probably playing 80% shortstop, though they'll still do a lot of pregame stuff with him in center field. So, so the, those skills chasing down fly balls don't get rusty, but um, yeah, he's, he's fascinating. I mean, if we were redoing our list today, you know, we, we, we did our list before the news came out with Forrest Whitley and the Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. I think you'd have to consider Peter Leone the best prospect in the system right now, just because mm-hmm. you don't know what you have in, in, in Whitley. So and we, we, me and Brian were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier, but I know this is kind of a difficult question to answer, but if he was draft eligible in 2020, where do you think he would have gone? Like, was, you think he would have been like a, a first round pick and a, maybe a top 10 or, or what do you think he would have, what, where do you think he would have gone? Yeah. I mean, I think from a, 
a tool standpoint, he, he could have gone that high. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to like call up our 2020 list and, and see if I can find a guy who kind of reminds me of him, like from a, a, a tool standpoint. Um, eh, I don't know if there's like, it's like, I mean, he's, he's somewhat comparable, I think to, well, I mean, uh, offensively, I think he, he's maybe, you know, you're, you're hoping he's comparable to Heston Kerstad who went number two overall to the Orioles. But I mean, he's like a lot faster and has a lot better arm and, and, you know, not that Heston Kerstad's a slug or anything, but like, he's a lot more athletic than Heston Kerstad. So it's not a great con. Now that said, if he were eligible for the 2020 draft, he would have been playing college baseball somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think we would have gotten a a read on his performance. And, you know, if he did, you know, Heston Kerstad did well in the SEC for three years. Um, And, you know, if if Pedro Leon, you know, you know, I I think there would have been a production component factored in, but yeah, from from a tool standpoint, I mean, those are, I don't think there's any question. I mean, it's, you're talking, you know, on the 20 to 80 scale, probably 64, 65 raw power, 70 speed, 80 arm chance to play center field. Like that guy's going to go pretty good. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely somebody that we're really excited to see this year. So to kind of hop back on the pitching side, um, there's been a guy that I'm high on a lot of other Astros fans in general are, um, and that's Tyler Ivy. He's had nothing but good numbers since he's been drafted. Um, I know he struggled with some injuries in 2019, but the time that he got to spend in Corpus Christi, in 2019, he dominated hitters there. So uh, what's your take on him? And do you think he's a guy that can, you know, maybe come up this year and help the Astros? Yeah, I, I think he could possibly. I mean, he hasn't pitched a ton the last two years because in, you know, 19, he had some elbow issues. He, he got suspended. Um, you know, last year, he didn't go to alternate camp or instructionally because he came down with COVID. And, and so he wasn't able to attend those. So he's he's got some lost time to make up for. But you know, he's kind of your typical Astros pitching prospect where it's, you know, high spin rates and he'll, he'll go four seamers up in the zone that, you know, ride up at the top of the zone. And then I think his best pitch is a curveball that he'll drop down through the bottom of the zone and mess with your eye levels. And he's got a slider and a change up and he's got, you know, he, you know, his controls. Okay. Like, you know, he's not one of those guys. I mean, there's a lot going on in the delivery. It's got, you know, de- you know, pretty significant amount of effort. I mean, it, it does add deception it doesn't keep him from throwing strikes. I mean, I know from talking to scouts, watching the way he does it, they have a hard time seeing him being a guy who's going to give you more than, say, 20 starts or 120 innings as a starter. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's just going to be some endurance issues. But again, I mean, he could be another one of these guys. I mean, you know, like you guys said earlier, multi-inning relievers, like, like that, those are valuable, especially when you get to yep. the postseason. Like, you know, it's – there's nothing wrong with that. So like, you know, maybe he's one of those guys who, you know, he pitches three or four innings a time, you know, 30 times a year for you, you know, before you get to the playoffs. But I, I, I do think there's a good, pretty good chance. You know, if he stays healthy, I, I think we see him in the big leagues this year. Yeah. And so that was one thing I was just about to ask you, Jim, was whether or not you saw him more as like a rotation piece or a long reliever, because there, there has been pretty much, you know, you, you see it on both sides whenever it comes to Tyler Ivy. So yeah, what, what you said is pretty much what Jimmy and I have talked about a lot whenever it comes to Tyler Ivy. So every year I try to pick somebody that I think, man, this could be the, the breakout prospect. You know, try to find somebody who's maybe either maybe not well-known or kind of on the back end of a, a top 30 and a guy that's like, you know, maybe maybe ready for uh, to make to make a, you know, have a big season and be a breakout guy. Is there anybody that you can think of in the Astro system that you think maybe do for a breakout season and really start flying up the ranks? Yeah, you know, a guy who I'm interested to see, and what becomes of him because he, he's a much different guy than he was in college. And I think this guy could be in the big leagues because he throws a ton of strikes is, is Brett Conine. And, you know, when we last saw him in 2019, it was his first full season. Um, he was kind of in that, that tandem starter program in the lower levels. You got up to double a for four games at the end of the year, but I mean, he reached double a at the end of his first full season. And what's really interesting, you know, he had the, I think the best strikeout to walk ratio in the system, the second best DRA in the system. And what's interesting to me is so when he was at Fullerton, he was kind of a strike throwing reliever. It was strikes over stuff. He had more saves and walks in his college career. Um, and, but his stuff, you know, the Astros had done a great job of helping him develop stuff. Um, you know, he was kind of like an 88 to 92 guy. 
and now he's 90 to 96. You know, the life I don't think is anything special, but he's throwing harder. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, you know, he had a, a changeup that was kind of like a decent pitch in college. He could throw for strikes, and now it's like a legitimate, you know, plus pitch most of the time with, with, with fade and, and two plane depth and deception. And he's got a, you know, a pair of solid breaking balls and, you know, he, he's not going to blow the ball by you, but he gets, you know, he, he misses bats. He throws strikes. He gets ground balls. Um, I think, you know, I think he's got a higher floor. You know, I, I don't think he's got the ceiling of say an Ivy or a Garcia, but I mean, I think mm-hmm. he's got a higher floor in terms of, of chances to be a starter. Um, and, and I think we, there's a pretty good chance we could see him in the big leagues this year. Well, kind of hitting on that same type of note there, is there someone in our system that you think maybe is being overlooked or not talked about as much that you feel has a, a decent amount of talent that could uh, translate to the next level? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's always a tough question because I ranked 30 yeah. guys in order. So I feel like we've ranked the guys as, as, as well as we could, but no, I mean, I, I think a guy who, well, I'll give you a couple. I mean, one of them's in the big leagues right now. And then, you know, that's Peter Solomon who, you know, you know, you guys know this, but like, I mean, Peter was a guy who coming out of the Cape Cod league after a sophomore year at Notre Dame, a lot of people were thinking that guy's going to be a first round pick. And he had a bad junior season with the Irish and he wound up going the fourth round, you know, had trouble throwing strikes. And then, you know, first full season in pro ball, you know, got back in track throwing strikes and, mm-hmm. you know, pitched really well between low A and high A and, I had a scout from outside the organization who said that that guy's going to probably be a top 100 prospect um, a year from now. I mean, that guy was really bullish on him and then he blew out. Um, but now he's back. The stuff's back, you know, in mean, the, the fastball and, and the, and both breaking balls can, can be solid to plus most of the time. And, you know, the, you know, he, he's been in the big leagues for, for a little bit. And I mean, the other guy who I, I'm kind of interested to see this year from last year's draft is, was Tyler Brown from Vanderbilt, just because, you know, he was, you know, Vanderbilt's got, you know, year in and year out as deep a pitching staff as anybody. And, you know, so he was a closer, but he had, you know, he showed, you know, he, he had four pitches, you know, he fastball, curveball, slider, change up, you know, didn't use fours, more fastball sliders reliever, but he was a closer just because they had so much depth on that pitching staff. But, you know, the Astros are going to give him a chance to start. He, he throws a lot of strikes. He's six four two forty two, So it's a, it's a good, strong, durable build. Um, you know, like it, it might be a little bit more of a reliever delivery and he's got that kind of late inning mentality, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I think he might be, you know, I, I think he's got a chance to maybe be a starter and, you know, which is probably more than, than people think at this point, you know, just cause he, he hasn't done it. He didn't do it at Vanderbilt. So I'm assuming when, when y'all put together your top 30 list, you know, coming into the season, that's a, that's a consensus piece of you and the other writers at MLB pipeline kind of get, well, not together. really not. I mean, you know what? It, it's, it's different than when I was at baseball America, because it's not like we divide up the teams and like, I have 10 teams, Jonathan Mayo has 10 teams mm-hmm. another 10 teams are divided among a, a number of people. Um, but it's more at baseball America. It was more like I would edit the prospect handbook and John Manuel and I would, would go over all the lists with a fine tooth comb and we'd mm-hmm. seek other opinions on our, you know, we, we get, we talked to people about the list and, and we weren't shy about moving guys around, you know, where we saw fit based on feedback. We're getting it. it, it I didn't mean to cut you off, but MLB pipeline, sure. I do like a hundred percent of the work of doing the Astros list and, and Jonathan and Mike Rosenbaum, when we worked with him, would would chime in with some feedback, but it's, it's not like, it's not like we do the top 100 mm-hmm. where Jonathan and Mike and I, kind of vote and then we mash it together and then we discuss it and then we get feedback. The Astros list isn't like that. It's kind of me lining them up and they could chime in with feedback and I can take it in consideration as, as much or as little as I want. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of like that. That means that when we're talking to you, we know we're getting like the full view of the system because it's, it's, it's only you on that top 30 list. I kind of like that. So yeah, it was, I was going to ask if there was anyone that you were higher on than maybe, you know, some of your, your coworkers, but um, no, that's good to know that, that uh, the 30 is, is you, but so fans like to hear this and I know y'all don't do them on, on MLB pipeline, but it, do y'all, do you like using comps when it comes to, you know, per, you know, looking at a prospect and trying to give a, a comparable player to them in terms of uh, in terms of, you know, like skill set? You know, I, I actually do not um, that much for a couple of reasons. I mean, I understand why they appeal to fans and why people ask. I mean, MLB Network asks us for comps on all the guys for the draft for the same reason, and, and people like that. But the reason I don't love comps, I, I don't mind. I, I will I will run comps if they kind of arise organically. If somebody – like, 
I mean, I always write, you know, Floydus Nova gets Handling Ramirez and Edgar Renneria mm-hmm. comparisons. Like, so I've heard those, but like, I, I like that better than like, okay, give me a comp on Force Whitley because I think sometimes you're trying to, you put a square peg in a round hole. And one, I think the whole origin of comps are from a totally different era where the scout was trying to paint a physical picture for the office back home you know, when there was no video and no internet. Mm-hmm. So you had an idea of what the guy looked like. And now like, I don't have to paint you a picture of what Forrest Whitley looks like. Cause we can all pull up video of him on our phone. And then two, I think sometimes you get like, I, I don't think it's always clear what the comp is. Are we making a physical comp? Are we talking about a style of play comp, which mm-hmm. might be an entirely different thing. Um, and then, you also run into like, like you're putting it in context. You're like, like I'm not saying, you know, Freudus Nova has drawn comparisons to handling Ramirez and Edgar Renneria. Mm-hmm. Now, now like, look, if we thought, yeah, he's going to be one of those guys, be a mainstay on the top 100 prospect list. But I think sometimes fans read into that too much. Like, Oh, like that's what this guy's going to be. So like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes the comps get forced and mm-hmm. I think sometimes they don't get taken in the, in the manner in which they're, they're intended, I guess is the best way. Yeah. That's what I was going to say was it, it seems like it could probably be exhausting for y'all to have to come up with a comp for pretty much everybody. And then inevitably what you just said will happen. So, yeah. I mean, like you sense. think about Pedro Leon. Okay. Yeah. He's 510. I don't think he's 170. I think he's more like 195 or 200. You know, he's, I mean, he's ripped. But like, if I'm giving you a Pedro Leon comp, am I going to try to look for a guy with well above average power, plus plus speed and triple plus arm strength, which granted there aren't that many guys, mm-hmm. you know, like the guy I might come up with might be, I don't even know who that would be. Cause it's like pretty crazy athleticism. Like, right. like you, you would think like, it's not exactly like maybe like Dave Winfield in his prime, but Dave Winfield wasn't 5'10", 200. So if I compare Pedro Leon to Dave Winfield, that sounds kind of stupid. And then if I'm trying to like do a compare, like a bill, like most guys who are 5'10", 200, <laughs> don't run and throw like Pedro Leon. So like, it just, it's like, it breaks down on some levels too. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, I don't mind them if they kind of come naturally, but like, I, it was interesting. I mean, I was just thinking about for the draft. Like I remember somebody was asking me like in recent drafts, like when we're doing our MLB pipeline inbox question, it's like, who would you compare them to? And I was like, like in recent drafts, I was like, I don't really have a comparison. Like, like there's like body wise, I guess the closest would be Alec Manoa of the blue Jays, but he's not, he's not like, like it's, it's a different build. Like he's rockers. I think more, I think Manoa's a little taller, but rockers in better shape and like more, a little bit more physical. And like my, 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 my comparison I came up with on Kumar was like, well, if we're talking about the last three drafts, I would compare Kumar rocker to, high school Kumar rocker. Cause there just really hasn't been a guy like that. And, and, you know, so it's, you know, you know but then at the same token, you know, Jordan Lawler, you know, who's the best position player in the, in the draft gets compared to Bobby Witt jr. But again, you know, it's five tool shortstop. He's from the Dallas area. So that's kind of a, an easy one, you know, like Brady house. Who's another guy that who's in my half of the draft. You know, I've gotten comp to like a more athletic version of Joey Gallo. Like, so like, you know, when, like I said, I mean, to me, they're interesting when they're, they're natural, but like, if it's forced, like, Hey, give me a comp on Jack lighter. I, I don't know who my Jack lighter comp is. So that actually kind of brings me up to my next question. It's not Astros related, but as of right now, who's going number one in the draft? I know it's been a, a, a tight race in Lighter and Rocker and even Lawler, you know, depending on who you're looking at or talking to. But what, what's your gut telling you right now? Well, here's here's what my gut's telling me right now. Well, you know, I mean, if I had to pick right now, like my life depend on I, I, I would guess Jordan Lawler because, um, yeah, it's funny. I did. We did. You know, there's obviously a lot of interest in, in Lighter and Rocker and they're on the same staff at Vanderbilt. And it was about a month ago. I surveyed a bunch of upper level, you know, like scouting directors and GMs and scouting officials, kind of a lighter versus rocker story. And it was 25 to three in favor of lighter. And at the time rockers velocity had been down for a couple of weeks. Lighter was growing, grow, yeah, going great guns. What I'm, what I'm trying to say, but um, I don't know if you guys know this, but you know how many home runs Jack lighters allowed in his last three starts? Uh, no, but I, I did read something that he was, I guess he had been struggling a little bit recently. Well, just get last three starts. You know, probably, I don't know how many, like, 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 like he hasn't lasted super long either. Let's say mm-hmm. it's 16 or so. How many home runs do you think he's given up in his last three starts? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say six. 
Well, it's eight. He gave wow. up three oh, more wow. yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the question with Jack was going to be, you know, he, he hasn't ever pitched a whole lot of innings in a season. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And, and how is this stuff going to hold up? So if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I would have said, oh, it's Jack Leiter pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still having a really good year. But, like, his ERA has literally gone from, like, I think 0.55 to now where it's 2.84 three weeks later. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I mean – I really like Jack Leiter as a prospect. I'd have a hard time picking him one, one based on what I've seen the last three weeks. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be tough. And um, so I, I guess today I would probably pick Jordan Lawler. Although, you know, Marcella Mayer, who, who's a high school shortstop from California and, you know, Jonathan Mayo had the comp Jonathan Mayo got on him was kind of a, you know, the upside wise, like a Corey Seager bat with a Brandon Crawford glove, which is pretty good player mm-hmm. too. Um, so I, I think he's in that mix and Kumar, um, Kumar struggled a little bit this weekend. I, I didn't see how his stuff was. I haven't checked in on that, but he was like, you know, it was kind of vintage Kumar the two weeks before after the velocity had been down for two, three weeks. So I, I actually think it, it's, I don't think it's anywhere close to being resolved. You know, part of that too is, you know, there's an extra five weeks this year. The draft's not till mid July. You normally, if we were talking, you know, today, which is a, a Sunday, May 2nd, the draft would be four or five weeks away and it, it's, it's 10 weeks away. So there's still, a ton of time for these guys to, to sort themselves out, um, which is, you know, and, and we'll see, but like, if it were today, I, I would probably say Jordan Lala for, for me, but like, I, I think you could, I think if you survey surveyed all 30 teams, it, you know, all four of those guys, you know, lighter rocker, Lawler, uh, mayor, mm-hmm. we, we'd all get votes and it, it, it probably wouldn't be a landslide for any of them. All right. Well, man, I, I think that's pretty much all we got, Jim. I, I really appreciate you taking your time out of uh, out of your weekend to come on here and talk some uh, some Astros prospects with us. Oh, no, glad to. It's like I always like talking this stuff, and it's it, it, like I said, it's funny you asked about the draft because we're just we're getting ready to update our list in a couple of weeks, and and like I said, I don't I don't really have a feel. I don't think the teams do either, but like who's going number one? I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jim. Well, I appreciate it. You know, hope you uh, have a, a good rest of your day. Okay, you guys too. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. All right, coming right up, we'll take a look at the Astros minor league rosters for each affiliate and discuss a couple prospects to watch for this year, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. So as we left the last segment, we kind of hinted to what we'd be talking about, which is the minor league rosters have been have been posted for, for uh, all four of the affiliations. So we're going to kind of take a look at that real quick just to give everyone a heads up. Double A, high A, and single A all start Tuesday, May 4th. Triple A will start Thursday, May 6th. So it's been a long wait. You know, we've been on the podcast now for five or six weeks waiting for this day to finally come, and, and, and minor league baseball will finally be here. We'll get to see the Skeeters in action, you know, the Asheville Tourists, another new team for the, the affiliates. Uh, so we, we just kind of wanted to talk about the rosters and, and who are players that we want to keep an eye on this year. Um, so a couple hitters, a couple pitchers at each level. So I'll kind of start. So down at AAA, Sugarland Skeeters, one guy I got my eye on uh, on, the, on the batting side is Ronnie Dawson. And, um, uh, Brian, I know you're familiar with him based on where he went to college, but you know, he's got a ton of raw power, extremely, extremely fast, good defensively. He, he's yet to really put all that together, you know, and have a, a really good season. But, you know, he's got a lot of talent. And, and we've seen the Astros – didn't hesitate to go ahead and bring him up when they needed, you know, needed somebody to come up. So I hope he can go into AAA and, ha- you know, put up some good numbers, get that confidence built up because at some point we're probably going to end up having to, to, you know, have him back up in the major league level. And depending on what happens to straw, he could be a guy that, you know, could end up seeing himself with a, a long stint on the Astros this year. Yeah. You know, um, Ryan Dawson is a guy that, I guess, and I don't think this is a, is a bad thing at all, but I think he could be a really good super utility player for us. You know, I mean, he's got infield experience. They played him in the outfield as well. He's kind of like all over the place. You know what I mean? Um, the fact that he uh, he's now at AAA, gosh, what year did we draft him? Was it like 2016, 2015? Yeah, it's it it uh, been a 16. while. Yeah, I just pulled it up, 16. So, I mean, I, I kind of thought that he would have would have made the jump already. Now, that's not no knock on him. We lost all of last season, so there's really no – telling what would have happened then as we've mm-hmm. discussed many times but but yeah you know like uh, ronnie dawson obviously you said because of the ohio state connection with me um but I, I mean i would love to see him uh get up here at, at any level really or in any uh, type of position 
um, j- just to see what he can do. You know, we saw a little glimpse of it earlier in the season with the COVID outbreak with the with the Strohs, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll see what he can do down in a full season at AAA. I'm excited to see that for sure. Yeah, so one other hitter that I'll, I'll touch on, and I'm, I'm mainly touch. We, we've seen him have some good numbers, but Jake Myers, really good defensively mm-hmm. now, feel good arm. Um, but one note, you know, we talked to Tyler Ivey just a few weeks ago, and then I asked him a question: Who was the one of the toughest hitters you faced in, in the Astros system? And and uh, he said Jake Myers. You know, I know some people probably would think maybe, uh, you know, maybe somebody that would have been on like the top list, but he mentioned Myers and uh, just uh, you know his ability to control the strike zone. Um, and know where pitchers are going. So, you know, that makes me excited to see what he can do at AAA this year in Sugar Land. So, on the pitching side, Brian, give, give me somebody who you're kind of looking forward to, to seeing in AAA this year on the pitcher, pitching side. So, whenever it comes to the pitching side, man, I mean, you already – we've already discussed him to death, man. But Tyler Ivey is, is the guy that I've – you know, you and I have been talking about him for a while now. I don't want to, like, beat a dead horse here. But uh, the fact that he's going to be at AAA, like, like we've said multiple times, it's not going to be very long until he's at the big league level. And, and listening to what Jim just said, it sounds like, um, you know, the, the industry consensus with him is, you know, he could be that back end of a rotation uh, type of player for us or, you know, a long reliever, like a middle reliever. And that's one thing that you and I were talking about just a few weeks ago. Uh, whenever we said he kind of gives us like that Colin McHugh type of um, type of presence, not necessarily with stuff, but just the fact that McHugh at one point was a, was a starter for us. And then, you know, made his way to the bullpen as a long reliever. That's what we can kind of see out of Tyler Ivy. And I'm really excited to see how he does for a full season, just to see exactly where it looks like he's going. Cause you know, once these guys get this full season, not just the Astros uh, minor league players, but all across baseball, once they get this season in the books, you, you'll really be able to tell where the guys are headed. Yeah, so another guy that, you know, like we said, we've, we've talked about Ivy quite a bit, but another guy I'll talk about that I'm excited to see in, in AAA is Sean Dubin. Now, he he's a smaller guy. He's 6'1", listed at like 170 pounds, but he throws mid-90s, and he has like a plus slider, right? So maybe he doesn't have the typical prototypical size of a starter, but in his one full season in the, in the Astros system, he struck out 151 in 110 innings. You know, so he's going to be 25 this year, but – we, as we were talking about just with Jim, you know, talking about guys who can, who can go uh, multiple innings in, in, in relief. Maybe he's one of those guys, you know, he's got, he's got the mid nineties and he's got the plus slider, which we know that'll play in relief. So he's a guy I'm interested to see how he does this year in AAA and see if he's another guy that the Astros decide to go ahead and pull up if they end up needing some more help in the bullpen. So we'll go ahead and jump down into double a, um, you know, obviously the, the number one guy, I think we're all really looking yeah. forward to seeing this year, Pedro Leon, like, like we talked about with Jim, we were rumored to sign him for what felt like years, you know, and it finally happened and we've yet to see him in action. So other than a little bit in spring, but you know, like, like Jim mentioned, you know, he's, he could be the top prospect in the system right now. And he's got tools that are just incredibly, incredibly talented. You know, he talked about the army and, and the run. And uh, I mean, to hear him say that, you know, he's a, the fastest runner in the system faster than Miles straw, but we're talking about a guy with a plus plus arm and plus power having that kind of speed you know, I mean, I'm just – I can't wait to see what he does um, in double A and, and and then just to see how fast the Astros decide to move him. You know, just, if he tears a cover off the ball for a month, do they say, screw it, let's go ahead and bring him up to triple uh, A? So, yeah, that's a guy I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if we kind of follow the Yuli, uh, you know, timeline with him because, you know, Yuli wasn't down mm-hmm. there very long before he just got promoted immediately to the big leagues. But although, you know, Yuli signed a major league contract, so it's a little bit different now that I say it out loud. But I thought it was interesting how Jim said that, you know, the, the Astros have him listed at a buck 70 as far as his weight. But he thinks he's more close to like 195, 200. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big difference, especially if you've got all that speed, you know. So it, it will definitely be interesting. One guy um, uh, that you had, you had talked about also uh, off the air, but uh, Greg Kessinger, you know, he was drafted by the Padres. I want to say, I think it was the Padres. It was a West Coast team out of high school um, a few years before we took him in the mm-hmm. second round. So, you know, he, he's got some versatility. He can play short. He can play third. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. His numbers from a few years back after he was drafted, uh, you know, left a lot to be desired. But then again, you know, it was his first year after being drafted, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, he's got, from what we've all, or from what we've read, a really good work ethic, you know, really high baseball IQ. Um, and they, the MLB pipeline actually ranked him as like the best, you know, uh, hit ability in the Astros system, just in terms of like contact and everything like that. So yeah, he's another guy that I'm interested to see. The Astros were aggressive with him following the draft. They put him right in full season ball rather than, you know, down in Tri-City. So on the pitching side, uh, Hunter Brown, guy drafted a couple years ago, 
has a high 90s fastball plus curve, really good build. It, just a guy that I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see pitch, you know, and, and be a starter in a full season, you know, with, with Corpus Christi, just to see what he does. Cause I think right now the Astros have a lot of talent and, and I mean, just like every other team, they got a lot of talent that we haven't seen yet. And I, I'm interested right. to see how these guys perform because, you know, if he comes in and he's dominating in double A, well, now you got a guy who's drafted a couple of years ago and he's really starting to, to come up with the prospect list. So yeah, I can't wait to see how he's going to pitch in double A. Yeah. And I mean, just the fact that, that, you know, just kind of getting back to Kessinger, like you said, you know, they were really aggressive with him. And now, because, you know, last season was a complete wash for everybody. He's already in double A, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be right on Jeremy Pena's heels. And then apparently... Pedro Leon is also going to be playing shortstop, although Corpus Christi's website has him listed as an outfielder. So it'll be interesting. I, I don't know, you know, the, the whole thing with Pedro Leon with shortstop versus center field. It'll just be interesting to see. But, you know, who knows if that's what they're trying to do is just to get a lot of versatility or or to prepare for the inevitability of, of Crea leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not sure anyone's ready to step into that spot immediately uh, like sure. next year. So it'll be interesting to see. So we'll we'll jump down into uh, into high A. So the the Asheville yep. Taurus and a couple guys that I'm looking forward to. Colin Barber, 2019 draftee out of high school in the fourth round, and had really good numbers in rookie ball. Um, you know, in 2019 following the draft. So last year, if if there was a season, he probably would have been in full season baseball. And and then this year they got him in high A, uh, which is pretty aggressive for him only having a little bit of time in rookie league. So he he's probably one of the higher potential guys in the, in the system when it comes to, you know, given his age and the ability that he has, and, you know, he's shown it on the field so far. So he's a guy I'm really, you know, interested in seeing. And um, I'll let you take the next one. I know it's a guy we've talked about, but Corey Lee, but, you know, go ahead and tell me what you're thinking about him. Well, I didn't, you know, whenever we were talking about Jim or talking with Jim about him earlier, you know, he, he had mentioned how a lot of teams had him down as a, as a third round pick, you know, some had him as possibly a second round pick, but the Astros really liked his, his, um, you know, his raw power, you know, it, we've got, I mean, he was only drafted just under two years ago, but we've got a completely different front office now. So you got to wonder exactly how aggressive we'll be with him. But at the same time, he's missed a whole year. And like Jim said, he only played catcher for a full year, his last year mm-hmm. at UC Berkeley. So I, I'm curious to see um, one, obviously his bat, but two, if he's going to stick behind the plate the full year, for a full year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the Astros need a, a, a good catcher on the way up, you know, that we, we have some other players around, but, you know, we, we see what we have at the major league level with, with Castro and Maldonado. We just kind of filling that void a little bit with these one and, and two year guys. So it'd be nice to have a guy like Corey Lee really break out and, uh, and, and get a catcher for the future. So at Asheville, the, some pitchers that I'm interested in looking at, and I put my notes down. Um, I've been doing this for the last couple of days. And I put these down, but it's funny. I'm going to mention somebody that, that uh, Jim actually mentioned too, but Tyler Brown, Third round pick a couple of years ago. We haven't got to see him yet because of COVID. Um, but you know, six four, two forty reliever at Vanderbilt, and, and as I mean, he had like a dominant sophomore season. I mean, it was I mean, it was phenomenal. And I'm reading the Astros are going to try him as a starter. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they they move him because you know if he's if they keep him as a reliever, then you're thinking maybe maybe this is a guy that they try to move fast and get him up into the pin. You know, since he's had success and in the SEC as a reliever. Uh, but it looks like the Astros are going to try him as a starter. But you know, a guy with that size and some of the stuff he has, he'll, he'll be he'll be a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one thing that you were just saying about whether or not the Astros will be a little aggressive with him. One thing Jim said, you know, we did you know due to time and everything, we didn't really get to kind of like pursue much with them. Is he did make the comment that the Astros are you're pretty good at finding like these pitchers who may not necessarily blow scouts away, but mm-hmm. once they get to the major league level, they're solid starters. I mean, we've got. Um, Several that have popped up recently. Um, Javier, uh, even, you know? Yeah, Christian Javier, who, who was pitching today, um, mm-hmm. just barely gave up his first home run of the whole season today. Um, you know, um, Jose or Kitty. There's, mm-hmm. just a, there's a lot of guys that we get out there that they're not all going to be your Garrett Coles, your Justin Berlanders, but right. they're still going to give you those solid games, man. And this could be another one. Yeah, for sure. So we'll move down to the, the last level, uh, single A, <laughs> uh, the Fayetteville Woodpeckers down there. Um, looking at the roster there, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a depleted roster down there, but you know, you got a lot of unknown because you're, you're putting a lot of guys on the, on the, the roster that, you know, maybe played over in the Dominican summer league a couple of years ago and were international draft picks and stuff, but a couple of guys that I'm interested to see JC Correa is one. So, you know, Carlos Correa's younger brother, um, people are going to hear that and know Carlos Correa is the number one pick and, you know, Correa was signed um, a lot later. So, you know, they're, they're completely different in terms of size. You know, Correa's 6'4", probably 
215, you know, JC Correa is like uh, 5'10", 180, you know, so they, they're different size, but he played at Alvin Community College right here near Houston and, and had some really good numbers. Ended up going playing for uh, Lamar University for a couple of years and had some had some good numbers there too. Um, so he's a guy I'm interested to see. It'll just be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch a guy, you know, that is the younger brother of a guy that's at the major league level with the Astros right now. We saw it with uh, with you know Kyle Tucker and Preston Tucker when when they were in the system together. Um, but it'll be fun to see. You know, you got a star at the major league level and now you got his younger brother playing down in single A. So he'll be fun to watch this year. Yeah, for sure. Just to kind of like see that progression, see exactly what we've got down there, especially in the first uh, full season. Yeah. I mean, it's just every time we talk about this, you know, you and I just get a little bit more excited because we lost all of last season. Mm-hmm. So all of these guys were like, for example, JC Correa, he could possibly have been higher up on this, like mm-hmm. that, that single layer, I'm sorry, at high A or, 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 you know, some of these other guys like that. But, you know, it is what it is, but, which brings us to another guy at uh, low A, Joe Perez, former second round pick. He's had a lot of injuries recently, but at the same time, he's still just 21. He's got huge power. Um, he was a double uh, – well, he played third base. And I believe he was a pitcher as well, right, Jimmy? Yeah, so I think a lot of people were looking at him as a pitcher in the draft, and then the Astros announced when they drafted him you know, that he was a, a, a third baseman, and it kind of threw everybody off. But like you said, I mean, he, he was a good pitcher in, in, uh, in high school, but he was a you know, good hitter too. He's got, he's got a ton of power, and – it feels like, man, it's been a while since the Astros drafted him, but he's still only 21 years old, um, and he showed off some of that power in 19 when he finally was healthy and, and got a little bit of time. So um, I, it, it appears he's fully healthy, and if he can stay healthy and get on the field and show off some of that power, that'll be a nice surprise in the system to get a former second-round pick who, who starts hitting the ball well and, and can start rising up the, the, the list. So. Well, also with, well, well, I'm sorry, just one quick thing on Perez, you know, we mentioned he had some injuries, some unfortunate injuries, Mm -hmm. I I guess, and, you know, kind of follow me on this, because I think you're going to understand where I'm going, but we did lose all of last season due to COVID that may have actually been kind of good for, for Joe, because, you know, it's everyone else lost that season too. So I I hate to say it like this, because it's going to sound so goofy, but you know, he got that injury out of the way during the lost season. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. And and I'm, I'm just, you know, hopefully he was able to take all of 2020 to get fully healthy and get out there on the field so he can finally, you know, show why he was a second round pick out of high school. And, and hopefully we'll have him on here on the show in, in a week or two. Uh, but talking about former second round picks, we got Jason Schroeder, who's also on the roster, former second round pick in 2018. And he struggled to stay healthy. But once again, we're talking about a high school pitcher who was signed for, I, I think it was like a million dollars coming out of high school, you know, as a second round pick. So the Astros clearly saw something in him and he just hasn't, put it together he hadn't stayed healthy but you know right when the major or the minor league rosters are being announced he's on the roster that means he's healthy so hopefully he can he can start to put together some uh, some good numbers too and really start to bring his stock up so whenever we were talking with Jim earlier we mentioned how you know is there a player who somebody you know like others may not be as high on or, or you know your fans may not be as high on or mm-hmm. at the end of the season we're gonna be like oh yeah this guy he came out of nowhere that's who I was thinking whenever we were talking about it was Jason Schroeder because like you said he got way over slot whenever we took him in the second round mm-hmm. uh, it was just a few years back um man I think he's only like 20 or 21 now but he still got plenty of time uh plenty of time man but that could be a guy that moves through the system pretty quick or at least wows you to the point to where he's going to show up on a lot of prospect lists or or even uh to the point where, where fans will know who he is yeah for sure and uh you know yeah he's a, he's a guy that i mean him and perez you know both of them are, are former second round picks that could be a breakout prospect which kind of brings me to the next little part we want to talk about him we talked about it i think maybe on the first episode but that was about five or six weeks ago and now that the season's about to start I just wanted to hit on one more guy who who I think could be a breakout prospect, but I noticed his name wasn't on, you know, wasn't on the minor league roster. So I don't know if he's dealing with an injury or if he's uh, or what's going on. But Nathan Perry, you know, fifth round pick in 17 catcher out of uh, out of high school, uh, had a good 2019, had an OPS over 800, 12 home runs. And he did it in a league where he was, you know, well under the uh, the average age, you know, good walk percentage, big left handed power. So. Um, I was really excited to see him. I'm hoping that if anything, maybe he's just dealing with some lingering stuff and he'll be out, you know, um, be out, in, in, you know, either single A or high A or something here pretty soon. But he's a guy that I'm excited about that I think, uh, you know, could be a breakout guy if, if he's healthy and get some some opportunities. So did, did I hear you correctly? Did you say that he's actually not on our, our like roster for a uh, for one of the for like right. single A, double right. A? So, yeah, oh, wow. Like I, said, okay. I, don't, I don't know if he's maybe dealing with a, a lingering, you know, injury or uh, if something's going on. And I'm going to try to find out some more information. But uh, 
yeah, ho- you know, I haven't seen anything on him, so it doesn't sound like it's, you know, any major surgery. So hopefully maybe they're still working on some stuff with him and uh, and just waiting and giving him some time. Since I mean, he's still, he's still you know, a, a younger player. I think he's maybe maybe 21 or something like that. So he's, he's still got plenty of time as well, so. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, the fact that he blew it up there at his age, that's mm-hmm. always something. That's not something that's discussed a lot, you know. But whenever you get a player that gets to a league and they're just tearing the cover off the ball or, or pitching lights out um, against guys that are much older than them, that's, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? Right. That's still something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So in our next segment here, we're going to look at how the Astros have performed over the last week, and uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. And welcome back in here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to take a look at the big league cub and just talk about how they've been performing recently. So um, we're talking here on a Sunday afternoon. The Astros did just lose against the Rays in, in, in a tough loss. But overall, they've been playing a, a lot better the last couple of weeks. You know, they were 8-2 in their last end prior to today's game. Um, but we saw a lot of really good performances this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jose Arquides is the one that really stood out to me. I mean, it was his birthday, so, you know, plus you know how I am with Arquides. I, I really like him a lot. He's your finesse-type starter. Not going to blow you away like a Verlander will, but he still mm-hmm. gets the job done. And, you know, I was talking about this the other day. It, it's going to sound so goofy. But the one thing I think of every time I think of Jose Urquidy was uh, in the World Series back in 2019 when um, Urquidy was just amazing for us. And I think the last time that he pitched, uh, Garrett Cole's wife had tweeted, are you kidding me? But she used like his last name to say it. <laughs> and, and to this day, anytime I see Jose Urquidy, that's the tweet that I think of. But um, yeah, every the, the series we took two out of three. I God, I wanted that sweep bad because I heard um, uh, Todd Callis mention how we've never swept Tampa in Tampa. So you know things like that. I just kind of want to just get it taken care of, you know. <laughs> but uh, still, still a really good series overall. Yeah, you know, and or, or Kitty the seven shutout innings on his birthday dropped his ERA down to three seven one, and, and he's a guy that a lot of people were um, really thinking could be a, a, a good start starter for us uh, in 2021 and so far he's had a couple rough outings but has some really good outings too earlier in the week he had a, a quality start where he allowed just two earned runs over over six innings but so following that up uh, another guy that had a really good week and I know he gave up a three-run homer today but Christian Javier you know his, his not today but his last start went seven scoreless innings and it was just dominant and coming into today had a .87 ERA uh, 26 strikeouts in 20 innings. And, you know, he's not giving up a lot of hits either. And it it just makes you think, is he the ace of the Astro staff right now? Well, I mean, he, he gets himself out of jams too. What was it, the first or second inning today? He had men on the corners, the only one out. He pitched right mm-hmm. out of it, didn't allow a run. Um, the the three-run bomb that he gave up was a meatball right down the middle. That changeup, I, I caught it, was only like 72, 73 miles an hour. Um, I kind of think he probably missed his spot, but but who knows. But But, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. Uh, as far as ace goes, I, I don't know. I think he needs to start pitching a little bit deeper into games to, to really achieve that status. Um, as soon as he gave up that three-run bomb, he really didn't have a, a high pitch count, but Dusty started, you know, yeah. warming up Brian Abreu in, in, the, in the bullpen. So he absolutely could be, you know. Yeah. I mean, especially whenever we're coming up on, you know, the offseason where Granke and Verlander are both free agents. Yeah, it was, un- it was unfortunate today. You know, he, he walked a guy, then got two flyouts, and then hit, get, hit a guy. And then I think two pitches later, you know, gives up the three-run homer, which ties the game. But yeah, right. he's, been, he's been pitching really well. And so that, that was on Tuesday where he had the seven scoreless. Now on Wednesday, um, we're throwing Zach Grinke out there. He struggled. He gave up four runs, I think, in four innings. Uh, but the Astros finally got some good luck, finally got some things to go their way when they had a four-run eighth inning, which right in the middle of that inning is where uh, – uh, I think it was Evan White had a bad throw to, to second base on a Correa, you know, dribbler to first, and the the Astros ended up scoring four runs and and you know having a, a nice come from behind victory. Um, so that was that was really good to see. It's something that it feels like we haven't had this year. We haven't had a whole lot of luck go our way. So nice to see that on on Wednesday, Thursday they have a day game. Luis Garcia goes out there, a guy that just last week we talked about. You know, we want to see him pitch more. He goes out, goes five innings, gives up one run, strikes out six, and the one run he gave yep. up was on a home run that was probably I, – I think it may have actually even tipped McCormick's glove in right field. I mean, it was – I mean, literally, we talk about it being, you know, a game of inches, but, I mean, literally inches the difference in that game because they ended up losing one to nothing because Kikuchi dominated and, uh, you know, he had a no-hitter for like seven innings. They ended up getting a couple hits, but, you know, throwing a – you know, or, the Astros ended up not getting any runs. And, uh, you know, and it, literally the first inning – or I, I think it was the first inning when that guy hit the, the, the homer maybe the second, I'm not hundred percent sure, but just over McCormick's head, just over his glove into right field. And that's the difference in the loss. Right. And I mean, 
it, it's neither here nor there, but you know, that we also basically had our B team in as far as the lineup goes. Mm-hmm. So you, right. you kind of have to wonder if like, if we had a couple of the bats back in there, uh, you know, could it have been a little bit different? Yep. You know, we'd already taken the first uh, couple of games of that series. So, you know, Dusty tends to do that, give the guy a mm-hmm. day off. But, um, you know, that was one thing that I was wondering was, you know, man, he pitched so well. If we just had a couple more bats in the lineup today, it may have been different. But, you know, you never know. It, it yeah. happens with every team. And I know Dusty does that. And it, it, it is a little, you know, I don't know if the word's frustrating. But, you know, when when I understand giving a guy a break, but, you know, it's like if you take two or three starters out. And, yeah, the outfield, I think, was uh, – it was uh, Diaz in left, I think, straw in center, McCormick in right, I think is who yep. we, we ran out there that day, you know. So, so no Brantley – no Tucker, and, and I know somebody else had, had, was, was out of the lineup as well. But either way, still playing a lot better. Um, and then, you know, move on to move on to Saturday – I'm sorry, Friday against uh, against Tampa Bay. And, you know, Lance McCullers Jr. going back home to Florida and is, is, is absolutely dominant. So you would talk about an ace of a staff. He looked all like the ace of the Astros staff. Goes seven scoreless innings, struck out nine. Uh, and just a really good performance by him. Oh, yeah. He not forgot he was from Tampa. But yeah, I, I remember whenever he was drafted, he had that scholarship to play at Florida. So yeah, it just completely slipped my mind that he was a Tampa guy. But um, well, I mean, now he's Houston. He pretty much says that everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, yeah, man, complete domination. I think the one thing that was kind of not necessarily missing whenever it comes to Lance is pitching his way out of jams and not letting, you know, emotions take over. I think that's one thing he's still working on. But my yep. God, that performance that day was just amazing. Like you yep. said, no run. Yeah, seven scoreless, nine strikeouts. It was amazing. It was really good. That's the length you want to see. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, behind them, the bats broke out. Bregman had a homer, four hits from Brantley and Correa. Diaz drove in four. You know, Alvarez hit some balls hard. And then go on to, to yesterday, they win three to one. All three runs scored in the first inning. Like you mentioned, or Kitty was dominant. And then, uh, unfortunately, today, the Astros ended up losing this one late. Uh, but in good news, you know, Javier pitched solid outside of the one three run homer he gave up. You know, and then we got to see Alvarez finally – uh, connect on a home run, his first one in a long time. So the, the Astros are playing a lot better. And, and, you know, I put some some numbers down. And coming into today, you know, Gurriel's hitting 340 with more walks and strikeouts, not a guy that I expected to have that kind of plate discipline. Correa's, you know, pitching really well. And then one thing I, I texted you this morning, um, but I think is interesting is that Kyle Tucker has the highest exit velocity on the team right now, the highest average exit velocity. And I know you can talk about him chasing after pitches and striking and some of the strikeout issues, but in all the batted ball events, he's got the highest average exit velocity at 91.4. So, so higher than Correa and, and Bregman and Alvarez. And Bre- I mean, it's just crazy. And we finally got to see it today. He got a couple hits. They intentionally walked him to bring up Straw, and Straw ended up, you know, driving in a run. So, really nice to, to see him start to get some hits. And we've talked about it. It feels like for the last three weeks that, you know, the luck's going to start turning around. Unfortunately, it hasn't fully turned around yet. Uh, but nice to see him have a, a couple base knocks today. Yeah, and it will. It will absolutely turn around because it's like you said, I mean, those exit velocities, man, that's nothing to scoff at because that's showing you that you're hitting the ball. You're not going up there and striking out or, or you know, grounding out to the shortstop every at bat. It's he's he's literally blistering the ball. He's just mm-hmm. not finding any gaps. But that's going to stuff. That stuff's going to come man. talent catches up. Yep, for sure. So I, I saw some stats this morning from Mark Berman, who put them out. But coming into today, the Astros are eight and two over the last 10. But in those 10 games, our pitching has had an ERA of 2.18 with our starters with a 1.82 ERA. So mm. we've hinted on it about how we thought one of the downsides of this team could be the pitching staff and, and maybe could be ro- the rotation with no Verlander. And, you know, then we see Odorizzi getting hurt. Um, but in the last 10 games prior to today, the 1.82 ERA and even the <coughs> bullpen pitched solid too. So really nice to see the Astros kind of start to play like, like we've expected them to. Yep, absolutely. And we, we still need to get Fran, Framber will be back pretty soon. Altuve, while he's back from this COVID, he's not himself, but we mm-hmm. saw that he, before he got before he got COVID, I guess, or before he went out for mm-hmm. the COVID situation, he was killing the ball, man. We talked about it on one of our episodes that he was just he was back to himself. So he's going to come around. He had a pretty brutal uh, series with, uh, against Tampa. But um, yeah, I mean, we're not even all the way, all the way back, but we're still back. And, and you know, it's like you said, I mean, that division, dude, the division's ours. I, I I know people think that you know maybe Oakland um, or or Anaheim or I'm sorry the Angels may give us a run for our money. I still think we're mm-hmm. in the division by double digits. Yeah, for sure. And you know the the right now the Astros have well, once again coming into today they they had the best run differential in baseball. It was tied with the Dodgers and the White Sox, but they have like I think a, a plus thirty three run differential, and then everybody else in the division had a negative run differential. So even even Oakland, who was I think half a game ahead of us coming into today, so. 
Um, yeah, the Astros are playing a lot better. They they had that, you know, they had the really bad stretch right in the middle when the COVID stuff kind of happened and stuff, you know. And I think they went one and nine, you know, in, in a 10 game stretch. So um, still working their way back from that, but they're above 500, um, getting some better performances. And uh, it kind of looks like they're, you know, they're, they're starting, like we, like we said, they're starting to play like we expect them to. Yeah, we got New York coming up this week. So I'm sure we're going to be talking about that next week. Yeah, no, this is going to be a, a very interesting series coming up. Uh, you know, it looks like the projected matchup will be Lance McCullers versus Garrett Cole in New York. Um, I know oh, man. they're really excited to, to, to boo the Astros over, over you know, everything that they think happened in the, in the buzzer and stuff. So, um, the five man, I, players I, that I, I hope here. we, I hope we yeah. go in there and just sweep them. I, I really do. Dude, I mean, we can't get swept. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to absolutely win that series. But, sure. but, yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about it. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe on the podcast uh, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, be sure to check out my minor league guide for 2021, which will be posted on Astros Future tomorrow. It'll cover the top 30 prospects, potential breakout guys, uh, guys who could come up and help this year. I mean, just a lot of more, a lot more information to kind of get you prepared for the 2021 minor league season. Yeah, and be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merchandise, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.